got a special offering each Sunday and, and as our church we uh, take two offerings a year and uh, we're reasonably light on offerings we don't want to make a big song and dance about it but it is an important part of church and so today is like kind of finance Sunday and so we're going to talk about money and so who's ready for that? We'll lock the doors you go oh man did I turn up for that Sunday how did I get there for that one? Um, but uh, when I was thinking about this I want it to be a positive thing that we would redeem our finances that it would not be a difficult conversation or something which should be going oh man here we go again the uh, pastor's blating on about uh, finance is again and I, I don't want it to be an arm twist uh, but I want to be, have some answers around this. And I think, like in church life, uh, you know, there can be a, a hang of a lot of talk about giving, and there can be a hang of a lot of talk about sowing on tithing. And uh, we can so easily led, be led to believe that, uh, that giving or sowing is the only solution needed to experience financial breakthrough. And um, that, hey, if you just give more, you're going to be blessed. What I've found is if you just give more, you end up poor, right? If you just give everything away, you go, like, hang on, what happened? Where did we go? And in church, there can be a lot of almost like spiritual manipulation around money. And I found this video on, um, on the internet, which, which the internet is just brilliant for random videos on different things. And, and I want you to watch this and enjoy it. I am really hoping that it is satire, but I'm worried that it might be true. But enjoy. We need a lot of sound on it. In the name of the mighty Lord, I am Pastor Tenjiwe of the Church of Believers with a lot of extra cash. And I come to you today to share with you the miracle that the Lord Almighty has chosen to give me the power of. Today I will share with you how you can wash all your problems away, how you can melt all your problems away. For only a hundred rands, you can come to my church and get this frozen water. This water is frozen by the power of the Lord, the power that the Lord has given me. All I have to do is pray and pray for the water. And as I pray for the water, Shalabosh! It's free. And then when you give me the hundred pounds or the hundred rands or the hundred dollars or the hundred euro, depending which country you come from. But the Lord Almighty will not accept any Zimbabwean dollars or any other African currency that do not have any value. But what happens is take it home with you. And let me show you. You put it next to your bed before you go to sleep. And then you pray. You tell the Lord all the problems that you want him to melt away. And when you get up in the morning, when you wake up in the morning, you see that the water will have melted. All your, as the water melts, your problems are melting away. So if you come to my church and you pay me this money, you are not wasting your money. Because this money will help you. If you have debt, you tell the Lord, melt my debt, your debt will melt away. If you have problems in your love life, you tell the Lord, melt the problems in my marriage or in my love life, the Lord will melt it away. There is not one person who has come back complaining that the water did not melt. For more information, come to my church on Sunday 
Pastor Tenjiniwe, please don't come to my church unless you have money. We are the church of believers with a lot of extra cash. Praise be to God. <laughs> Is that helpful? <laughs> so we're changing the name of the church to the Church of the Believers with lots of extra cash. Who's up for that? <laughs> it's going to be awesome. God's going to move. Gonna <laughs> yeah. Next week I'll be bringing the ice along, so just be ready for that. It's going to, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> so yeah, it's true. I mean, let's be honest. Generosity, it's, it is a kingdom value, right? To, to give is, is a kingdom value. And however, giving alone, it's not going to create financial freedom. And in fact, giving will just create financial poverty. And, and it requires more than one ingredient. And I'm so reluctant this morning to give you, like, you know, five easy steps to financial freedom. Um, but I feel it's really important that we actually teach on finances and how to handle it well. You know, they say that like 50% of divorces uh, are around money. So let's try and avoid that. And, and I've watched people give and be generous over many years and, and even give generously beyond their means. And you hear silly statements like, you know, you can't outgive God. And which I know is kind of true, but I also think if you just keep on giving, um, it's going to end badly, badly for you. And we have this myth that, you know, if you just give away all your money, and, um, or if you just sow, that the harvest will come. But if you're a farmer, any farmers here this morning or agricultural people, as it's, it's, you know, if there's way more to a harvest than just sowing, right? There's way more to it. See, sowing is just the beginning of it. Sowing is just part of the process. So if we were to, you know, reap a crop, reap a harvest, what else do we need to do to make sure we get the harvest? We need to water it. What else is there? Good soil. Fertiliser. Yeah. Sunshine. We need some sunshine. Yeah. What else do we need? Hard work. Yeah. Yeah. All, all these different things are, are part of the harvest. And I think often as pastors we just teach just so. But we actually have to have all those other parts happening in there to make sure that it works. You know, one of the key scriptures which I've preached a few times around this financial thing in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, it says, Remember who this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And my aim in this church is that, that, that we would be cheerful givers, that we, our heart would be that we put, position ourselves in a place where we're cheerful around it, that we're not arms twisted up our back, it's not manipulation, it's not any of those things. But I think as a church we're ready for the next verse. And uh, who's ready for the next verse? Like phase two, I know, I know you're excited. It's verse 8 of 2 Corinthians that says this, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And, and, and I love this, kind of this, bless you abundantly, and having all you need at all times. Who would like to have all they needed at all times? Come on. So that you can abound in every good work. And in the King James, it says that you would be all-sufficient, or all-sufficiency, that you would have more than enough. 
See, I, I think that often we can't do the good works which we are called to do because we are stuck at this point that we don't have all that we need. You know, we, we want to abound in all... Who wants to abound in every good work? You know, who wants to... You know, we want to do that, don't we? We think, oh man, wouldn't it be brilliant if I could, could do that? But, you know, you know, I wish I could just bless that person. But oh, no, I, I, I can't. Well, I'd, I'd love to go on that mission trip. But I can't because it's COVID and all that. But I wish I could be able to do that. Or I'd love to be able to give a few extra hours to help out there. But you go, ah, no, I can't. I don't have enough to be able to do that. But if we had more than enough and we could meet each other's needs, what would that actually look like? And, and this is the goal around this so that we could do every good work. You know, even as Dawn was sharing around the finances of the church, you know, if we had more than enough so that we could do every good work would be fantastic. And, and it's not an older call miracle. See, so often we think it's an older call miracle. You know, come forward and I will lay my hands upon you and you will be financially successful. You know, like the ice. Shalabush! <laughs> and, uh, you know, boo, boo. It, all, it all happens. It will melt all your problems away. <laughs> you know, and we kind of think that that's how the finances work. And it's a, it's a God thing. But I think we so often, you know, over-spiritualize the harvest. You know, and we think in terms of God opening the windows of heaven and pouring out a blessing that no man can contain. And we think that God's just going to pour it out. Or that there's some supernatural, you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that we can, that we can uh, receive. Or, you know, recently I was having coffee with somebody, who I won't name, um, and, and they said that they had this dream and that, that God was going to bless them abundantly. And, and that was always a good dream, when you, you know, those dreams. <laughs> and so they decided they'd go out and buy a whole lot of lotto tickets um, to help God <laughs> facilitate the, the, the dream. And, uh, yeah, and I was like, really? And I was like... You have no understanding of the kingdom of God and the principles and how this works. And, and no, they didn't win lotto, by the way. <laughs> um, lotto tickets will, will leave you poor if you spend all your money on lotto tickets. You know, you've got more chance of being struck by lightning in New Zealand than, than winning lotto. Uh, one person once said that, uh, that uh, it's a voluntary tax on the stupid. Lotto's a voluntary tax on the stupid, which I kind of like, yeah. And a lot of it was largely supported like, for, by people who can't actually afford to do it. And, and so I go, come on. But we ha- have these weird supernatural ideas about how God is going to bless us, right? See, what, what if the harvest was just our income or our earnings? You know, and we see that in the biblical times that when these verses were written, it was, it was an agricultural society. It was crops, it was livestock. And, and work is the normal way for God's blessing to flow in your world. You go, ah, work, what? <laughs> you know, Psalm 128 verse 2, it says, you will eat the fruit of your labour of your hands. You will be blessed and it will be well for you. Psalm 90 verse 70 says, may the favour of the Lord our God rest on you, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Or Proverbs 6 verse 10 to 11 says, a little sleep, a little more slumber, a little more folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. I mean, how is that? You know? See, I, I think that I 
the harvest for most people is the salary and the wages that you earn at the end of the week, the fortnight, the month, wherever, however that works. Or maybe it's running a business and earning a profit out of that. Or maybe it's an investment. And, and what I've found for people that the blessing of God, the harvest, comes from hard work, long hours and diligence. This is how God blesses us abundantly so that in all things, at all times, you can abound in every good work. You know, the, 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 farmer, the farmer at harvest time, I mean, that's the time when he's busiest, right? It's all hands on deck at harvest time, trying to bring that in and make it get there. See, see sowing is just the, the, the beginning of the equation. It's part of the answer, but it's not all the answer. So we need to get God's blessing on our harvest. We need to get, who wants God's blessing on your income and, your, and, and on your harvest? I mean, we, we need to get that on it. So let's do it right. Let's pay our taxes. Let's follow God's ways. But also how we spend the harvest also determines whether we need, we have all we need at all times to do every good work. See, you can have a great harvest, right? A great income and still not make ends meet, Right? I mean, the accountants in our world will tell us that, you know, the income and expenditure, profit and loss, how it all works. And uh, this morning, I kind of want to break this down for you and give you um, four points. And uh, this, is, this is a formula, let's be honest about it. I've heard this over the years in various forms and various uh, disguises presented by various people. So I'm going to give you my kind of version of it. And you can work it out for yourself. I mean, you guys are intelligent enough. And, uh, but I think sometimes we need a little bit of prompting. We need a little bit of guidance and a little bit of help around it. So I'm going to give you some food for thought this morning. Okay? So I'm going to give you four ways to spend your money. Okay, so the first thing is sowing. So I, I believe in sowing. Okay? We believe in sowing. I, I believe in the tithe. I believe in the 10%. And um, it's one of the things which God says, test me in this. And, and I believe that it should come into the church. And I believe that this is the way that makes a way for the blessing of God in our world. I think New Testament, it's so generously, and I, I don't believe that we're in, under the Old Testament curse, that we're New Testament people, but there's blessing which comes with this. Um, that's what I'm going to say around that side of it, sign because we've talked about it before. The second thing I want to talk to you about is seeding, okay? And this is the over and above, and you can choose where you want to seed your money to. But this is the set aside some money in your world to be generous. This is this, this extra capacity to be a blessing. You know, sponsor a child with tear fund. Look after your neighbour, that person down the road. It's the beyond and build offerings we're talking about. It's the ability to just go and buy someone that meal or to bless someone. It's give your old car away to the youth pastor, you know, instead of getting $1,000 on it in your trade-in. It's like, bless that ability to absolutely just bless someone around it. And, and it's, in, the, in the Bible, it's like the margins and corners of life. Having a margin for the extra in your world. See, because sometimes we can live life consuming everything that we, which we have on our money, it's our time relations and if we just live to the absolute max then there's never going to be margins 
to do that. So create room. In Leviticus 23 verse 22, this is kind of the Old Testament thing. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. And you see it play out in the book of Ruth. So here's uh, Ruth, she's the refugee. She's turning up, coming back to her homeland. And uh, her mum, Naomi, says, hey, look, go to Boaz's field. And uh, just re- sit in there behind the, um, the reapers. And what they do is they leave the corners and the edges for the refugees, for the poor. So just get in there and uh, do that. And so she goes and begins to go to Boaz's field. And it ends up with like this crazy love story which happens. You know, and she, she ends up marrying Boaz and ends up in the lineage of Christ through that thing. But it's this making room, it's the margins around that. And I think of also on the story of, of the Good Samaritan. You know, when this guy this finds the, the Samaritan finds this guy beaten up on the side of the road. And, and what he does is he takes care of the guy. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins or two denarii. Now, a denarii was worth like a, a day's wages. So here's, you know, couple of hundred bucks, 200, 300 bucks here, which he's got. And he says, take care of this man. And if the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. And, and it's, he had capacity. He said, oh, mate, no, I've got, I got some spare coins in my pocket. Yeah, I can sort this out. I can look after you. And we need to have that capacity set aside in our world so we have those margins to help people. No stress. The third thing I've got here is saving. And, and this is your investment, okay? This is adding value. This is not digging a hole and burying your talent, but investing for your future. Now, let me tell you, saving, this is actually what determines your financial future, okay? This is actually what determines your ability to save and put money aside. Because, again, what we talked about before, you can have the largest income, but if you spend it all, you'll still end up poor. And, uh, and, and this may look different for different people in different seasons. It may be saving for a house, it may be your Kiwi saver, it may be investing in yourself for a season like going to university and saying, I'm going to put this money aside so I can uh, train myself up. It's upskilling. Uh, in New Zealand, I mean, there's, there's a lot of debate around houses, and, and I don't want to be your financial advisor this morning, but investment, buying a house is probably one of the greatest investments. Um, paying off your mortgage is, is investing. You know, I did, in a past life, I worked for a bank for five years and uh, in the mortgage department. I have a reasonable head around some of this stuff, but it's setting yourself up. But it's also setting yourself up for the people which follow behind you, you know, and Proverbs 13.22, it says, a good person leaves an inheritance to their children's children. It's a generational thing. So, so what if, if we started to save and put some money aside so that our kids would be absolutely blessed? So they wouldn't have to get over the hump of trying to buy a house or doing those things. Or we'd set ourselves up around that. And the fourth thing is spending. And uh, Matthew 25, 23, the master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. It's like, be a good steward of your money. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I'll give you much more. We need to be good stewards of what God has given us. And often I think people are not making financial progress because you're spending it all, right? Come on, it's, it's easy. Uber Eats. <laughs> 
buying that new, the latest iPhone, the latest product, the latest whatever, we can get sucked into that consumerism of this world and, and just continue to spend so that we forget to actually doing the saver, saving side of it. See, the saving thing requires discipline around it. So that ability to create a budget and stick to it. So how does this work? Now, I'm gonna, again, I'm going to just throw some suggestions at you. I'm not telling you how to live your life this morning, okay? But I'm throwing some things at you to try and get you thinking around it. So, so this is a goal. This, I think this is a good goal around your finances. If you were to sow 10%, seed 10%, save 10%, and spend 70%, you'd probably work out doing pretty well, right? Because you need a, a plan around it. See, it, it. This stuff doesn't happen by accident, and it's not a it's not a it's not a pray harder scenario. And you may need to set up different bank accounts and and move the things around so it works. Automatic payments work, but, but be in charge of your money. Don't let money be in charge of you around this. And there can be different scenarios for different seasons in your life. You know, maybe you're in that double income, no kids scenario, right? And you're saving for a house. And uh, so if you, to do that, if we got the, maybe the next slide, thanks Steve. If you're, you've got this like short, crazy window before you have kids and everything goes crazy where, where, where you're going, okay, this is the time where you need to save. So maybe save 10%, seed 5%. Crank your saving up to 40%. And go, okay, we're going we're gonna to go crazy with saving and spend, get your spending down to 45%. This is what Priscilla and I, I did when, in our last year of London. I thought, okay, we're moving back to New Zealand. We want to uh, buy a house. So we lived for the last year and we lived off my income and we saved Priscilla's income. We tithed first and we said, right, we're putting this money away. We travelled a little bit, spent some on that, but the rest of it. So we had this ability when we came home and we suddenly had $30,000, which for us was like miraculous. And, uh, and it was a good 20 years ago, let's be honest about it. And we managed to buy a house for 178000 Uh Come on, I know. This, this is upsetting you all. So yeah, this is 37-day Panorama Road. About one of the, We're sick of living in these tiny flats in London. And we got the villa. And it was, it was gorgeous. 178000 Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it's still there. Was it a full... What's that? Was that deal? Was that expensive? No. <laughs> it was for us. It was... But we, we made it work. We got flatmates in. We made my mum live with us. We, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, went, uh, we bought everything second hand. Everything was second hand. We did the op shops. We did everything to try and make it work and, and get in there. But it set us up. See, so I, I want to smash this belief that God will just provide, okay? If I'm serving God, he will just look after me and I will get a house supernaturally one day. No, it, it, takes, it, it takes faith. You know, Priscilla and I, you know, we're both on modest salaries because of the chosen fields we want, but we, we love what we do. So we've chosen to do what we're doing around it. But we find ourselves, you know, this, you know, 20 years later, ridiculously blessed to be in the house which we currently live in. And, and I'm a believer in following God's principles. It, it requires tenacity. It requires organisation. It, re, it requires having a plan and sticking to it. It requires discipline and sacrifice. And, and I think it requires faith. Like every house I've brought has is, is required a supernatural God factor around it. I remember for our second house, we, we, um, 
Priscilla was heavily pregnant. We sold that house. We ended up living back with Priscilla's parents, and she was heavily pregnant. We were trying to buy out West Auckland because we were running a youth thing out West Auckland at the time, and uh, the Primal Youth Church in West Auckland was awesome times. And um, Priscilla was sick of looking at houses. She was heavily pregnant. She said, Glenn, you just go and find something. I'm over it. We looked at so many dingy average, below average houses out uh, West Auckland. Uh, I said, alright. So I was driving around. And I'd given up one day. I was driving. I was just heading home. And then I saw this tiny little side, signed rather, on the side of the road, just saying, house for sale. Oh, I was little coffee. It wasn't professional or anything like that. So I drove down this little street and into this cul-de-sac. And I found this, this house. And there was this old guy who had retired. And he, he had decided he just, he was going you know, to he had shifted the house from the middle of the section to the back of the section and he wanted to build on the front and he says I don't want to make a profit on this house I just want to sell it to a nice young couple and um, and we sat I drove home got Priscilla we drove back looked through it said alright sign us up and we negotiated this private sale and then and then he was trying to subdivide the section. He says, just come and live it. You don't, we won't charge you anything until I get the subdivision through. And so we lived in the house for six months, paying nothing. And um, it, was a, it was an absolute miracle. The, the God thing on it. But we, we need to step into faith around some of these areas and do it. Um, here's another scenario. Maybe you're a young couple or a, or a solo parent with kids. And you're living on one income. You're going, man, how Glenn you know, 10% tithing, that's ridiculous. How can I ever do that? Maybe just start with 3% or 2% or 1%. I don't, I don't know. Seeding, just support one, sponsor one child. Not, don't sponsor 70, you know, World Vision children. Just do one. Saving, keep that saving going because that's your future. That's the investment. Spend 85%. It's, I know it's a expensive season when you... When, you know, you drop down to one income and kids and everything like that. But the question is, what could you be in faith for? What could you be in faith for? Start somewhere. I encourage you, start somewhere, even if it's tiny, even if it's small. See, see what it does, it's, it's puts, your hands, puts your hand up and saying, God, I'm expectant. God, I'm in faith. God, I'm believing you to do something in my world. Encourage it. Have a savings plan around it. Keep investing in your future. Maybe you're like a, a, a single student. You know, you've got a part-time job. Um, you're mowing some lawns. You see, your income's like really tiny. You're thinking, oh, then this doesn't write to me. I don't need to give. No, no, no. You need to start young. You need to get this stuff into your world young. So maybe you go, okay, I'm going to sow 10%. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to put 5% aside just to bless someone. You know, don't be that guy who, you know, when everybody, everybody goes out to McDonald's, you're always the one going, oh, no, no money. <laughs> you know, put some money aside and, and, and just say, oh, yeah, I'm going to bless you. I'll buy you a $1 frozen cake. Is it good? I can cover that. I'm, I'm sorted, you know. Do that. You know, be, be a blessing. You know, be, be a blessing around this stuff. Start, form some great habits. Have a savings goal. Maybe, maybe you're in this category. Maybe you're an older couple who's financially secure. And you say, hey, hey, we have been absolutely blessed. We are now going to be an absolute blessing to others. Maybe set up your kids for their futures and leave an inheritance, help them with their homes. You know, maybe you say, okay, I'm going to keep like, that 10% sowing thing. Then I'm seeding. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to do 20% seeding and be like, we're going to be those people. We're going to be an absolute blessing to other people. And say, okay, I'm going to save 20%. Put that aside and invest. 
and we are spend 50%. See, we need to get God's blessing on our finances. So this morning, it's, it's, it's not an old call. It's not a shabush, come on, <laughs> unfreeze the ice situation. But, but I want to help you step in to the good things of God. And this is one way of doing it. I mean, other people will give you 20 different other ways of doing it. I don't kind of care how you do it. You've got to work that out for yourself. But what I do want to encourage you is step in to, to, to something so that you can be a blessing. So instead, you know, instead of looking out the window waiting for the windows of heaven to open and to the lotto ticket to fall in your hands or buy an ice box which you've been prayed over for, for, what if God wanted to bless your harvest? What would that look like? What if God wanted to bless you know, some of those contracts you guys are running, some of those work situations, some of those different things? If, if God was to pour out his blessing on that, what would that look like for you? to make a way forward. Come on, let's just stand.